0: Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. Lance Meadow, John Schmelk and you on the phones at 201-939-4513. Or on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. We're doing a better job of uh, getting all your tweets. So we'll get to those today. We'll have a question of the day for you in a second. But Lance, a couple things going on around the league. Reports are we have the Hard Knocks team in 2018. Yep. And it's going to be a team that has been a spectacle for all the wrong reasons over the past three or four years, and that
1: is the Cleveland Browns. Well, when you're a spectacle for all the wrong reasons, you make good television, John. So that, that is, would be that true. why I think HBO is headed in that direction. Though, in all seriousness, I mean, this is a team that has really changed its roster over the course of the last offseason since John Dorsey took over as general manager. I think there's some intriguing storylines. You also obviously have Baker Mayfield's arrival. So... To me, I'm all about the good stories when it comes to the teams they choose for hard knocks, not necessarily what I think is going to be the most competitive team in the NFL right. for the upcoming season. And I, think I agree. That meets the bill. Whenever you have a rookie quarterback, I think, trying to compete for a spot, yeah. I think that makes for
0: you know intriguing television. You have a running back competition, too, with Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde. Uh, you have, obviously, everything going on there with Hugh Jackson. He's a pretty telegenic guy that likes to be in front of the cameras and uh, is out there and is you know a guy that that's a good speaker and I think he'll embrace that type of show so I think it'll be fun. Have you watched it all? The um any of the last couple of years, the All or Nothing Amazon series. Have you watched I've that? I've seen clips
1: here or there. I have not it's seen pretty full good. episodes. It's yeah, pretty good. I, Arizona I, I, was on one of them, if I'm yeah, correct. And, right?
0: and yeah, and Dallas was this year. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, I watched a couple episodes of that. I watched a couple of the Rams, I think, were also That's on right, it. That's right, the Rams were on And it. the Cardinals. And it's it's basically hard knocks over the course of a season. And you have access to the meeting rooms. You have access to coaches' meetings. And I think it gives you a lot of uh, really good insight to some of the teams. So if you folks you haven't watched it, NFL Films produces it. But it airs on Amazon Prime if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber. So that's something you could check out um, with that as well. Otherwise, Glenn, it's not a whole lot going on. Uh, one thing I'll throw out there, only because it was news the other day, uh, seems to be some, I'm not going to even call it a rumor, speculation, I guess I'll call it, that a good match for Des Bryant could eventually be the Green Bay Packers, which I thought was interesting in that Aaron Rodgers is a good throw and a back shoulder throw. And he doesn't necessarily need his receivers to run great routes because he does so much stuff scrambling and, you know, kind of freelancing after
1: the initial play. So I thought that was an interesting nugget. I do think it's actually a a pretty decent fit for him, too. Well, and they also lost Jordy Nelson Mm -hmm. in free agency. Well, they parted ways with him, and then he joined the Oakland Raiders. But I think part of the reason why, John, that story started was because Jason Witten was interviewed and then throughout the suggestion that he thinks Green Bay makes sense, and then it seemed like everybody started to run with that. But to me, the best point that was made as to why Green Bay is a good fit, Des needs a quarterback that can accept his personality, accept his demands, and also, like you said— Accept his demands. Well, he's a guy that wants the football, and I, I don't know. think that's a bad feature. I Listen, I want a guy on my team that wants the football, but I think you need— a strong, stable quarterback that can deal with the personalities at that position, and Aaron Rodgers is certainly a guy that I think can handle that and throws a pretty good fade into the end zone the last time I checked. So when you take all that into consideration, I agree. I think it makes sense, but right now, a lot of teams just drafted new classes, John. They're in the midst of OTAs. They're probably of the mindset, the Packers included, I'd rather evaluate what I've got in camp right now before I all of a sudden bring in a veteran who's going to take all those reps. That's why I still believe Dez is going to be one of those guys that probably joins a team before training camp because teams start to assess it. And they're like, you know what, I don't really like what we got out of the young guys. We can yeah. use the polished vet. And then I think that's what his market value is going to go See, up. now,
0: there is danger with that, though. Because if you remember back, I think, oh, God, I don't remember what year it was. But when he got franchised and he held out, yeah. then he came back, and he was out of shape, and he hurt his foot. So he's a guy that not necessarily keeps yeah. himself in shape when he's not around the facility. So I think that's something teams uh, will have to
1: kind of be wary of. Well, he supposedly is working out with David Robinson, who's yeah, a wide receiver whatever. coach guru. I'm just throwing that out there, and that was the change in his routine this offseason compared to what he's done in previous off seasons. But I agree with you. If you're a veteran, especially a guy like Dez, you got to remain active, even if you're away from the team, because a lot of these players, not to question their workout regimens, but Given the fact that the offseason is structured where you have different phases, John, they sort of, like, rely on the team to give them direction. Yeah. Other guys are motivated to do their own thing, but not everybody is necessarily on that. And as you get older, you have to keep your body
0: in better shape. Yeah. I mean, you know, it takes more maintenance, and you have to do things like that. Anyway, our question for the day, folks, is this. What NFL team do you think will have the most improved offense in 2018? And the reason I think this is a good question is because I think there's a really good chance, Lance, it could be the New York Giants, thanks to a new scheme, and more importantly –
1: the addition of Saquon Barkley, and a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, well, you take into consideration health alone. I I think that should improve the numbers. And then the other thing I would add, John, to your laundry list of improvements is the offensive line. If the offensive line takes care of business, and I'm not just talking about pass protection, I'm also talking about the establishment of the run game. You know, you figure the Giants should go up from last season, they averaged 15.4 points per game. So that was second to last in the National Football League just ahead of the Cleveland Browns, who were dead last at 14.6. I think the Giants are a very good candidate. The other team that I would throw out, and coincidentally they're on the Giants' schedule, John, is the Chicago Bears. I think that's another team that is positioned like the Giants to make strides based on health, number one. The Bears had a number of injuries. And two, I like some of the additions that they made in the offseason. They added Allen Robinson, who missed all of last year with the Jacksonville Jaguars, so they had a veteran wide receiver. They added Taylor Gabriel, a young wide receiver out from the Atlanta Falcons, who could play out of the slot. They added Eagles tight end Trey Burden, and they still have a young quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky, plus Jordan Howard, who I think is a really good running back. So you take all that into consideration, I think Chicago's another team that warrants being in that conversation. I agree,
0: and you mentioned the Giants' ranking in terms of points in terms of yards per game. They were ranked a little bit better. They were 21st in the league last year. They averaged 300 and 14.2 yards per game. So I think we have what we have to do here is take a look at the offenses towards the bottom of the league. And you take a look at those and you yeah. see, you know, whether or not you think some of those teams could could make a jump. But for fun, just to go through all the teams, let's go division by division. Start so AFC East. Um I I think it's hard to argue the Bills, you know, losing Tyrod Taylor or going to a rookie quarterback. I think that's to ask a lot. Uh, Miami Dolphins. They could be in the conversation. Last year, they were the 25th-ranked offense in terms of yards, in terms of points offensively. They were the 28th-ranked offense. So I think the Dolphins could be in the mix here. I know they lost Jarvis Landry, but they have Kenyon Drake. They have a couple other running backs. Um, Devontae Parker should be healthy. Ryan Tannehill is back from injury. I think the Dolphins are a team that I'm not sure they're going to jump into the top 10, but I can see them jumping into the middle of the pack around 15, 16,
1: 17. Oh, well, Tannehill's return after he missed all of last season, uh, I think that factor alone, it's just like if you bring Aaron Rodgers back into the Packers' fold, you figure the offense is going to improve. If... And they
0: added Amendola and Albert Wilson, by yeah. the way, wide so, receiver.
1: So, you know, they got a variety of guys. Adam Gase is a really good offensive coordinator over yep. the course of his career. And the Dolphins' offense two years ago, John, actually produced – You know, remember, they were similar to the Giants. They got off to that, what, 1-4 and start, and then they won about, what, like eight or nine straight games? They were just like the Giants. Middle of the season, everything seemed to click, and that's why they made a nice run towards the end of the season. So, I mean, I I think the Dolphins are another good candidate. I'm just a little concerned about their offensive line still, and and that was an area of concern last year. So, you know, that's the one that is a wild card to me compared to the Bears, who I think are a little bit more stability at that position.
0: How about the Jets? Do you think they can make I'm not going to throw the Patriots in there. Obviously, they were great last year. They can't really, really going improve. out on a limb there, yeah. They're the top team in the league, so they're not yep. going to improve. How about the Jets? They finished 28th in the league last year in terms of points per game at 18.6. We'll see who the starting quarterback is. That's is Darnold going to start right away, or is it going to be McCown? I would think it's going to be McCown to start the year, and Darnold then will take over. But Darnold apparently was told that you know it will be an open competition. If he wins it, he wins it. You worry about their offensive line, too. You don't know about Robbie Anderson with all his off-the-field issues. Uh, Quincy Nunn was coming off a neck injury. How healthy is he going to be? They added Terrell Pryor. They did, and um, they added in the running game uh, Isaiah Crowell from uh, the Browns.
1: So I think they'll be better, but I don't think they'll make a big jump. Well, the quarterback is the million-dollar question, as you mentioned. I mean, the other guy I would say, Teddy Bridgewater, remember, is there, too. Not that he's going to be the front-runner to start, but you've got options, you know, who is going to provide stability under center? That's going to be the wild card. Now, in fairness, John, I thought Joshua McCown did a nice job last season, all things considered, and they were able to move the football when he was under center. But, you know, like anything else, you've got inconsistency. You've got up and downs. And their offensive weapons that you mentioned are not overwhelming, where you feel as if you're going to know that you could pencil these guys in and these guys are going to be threats in game in and game out. I mean, let, let's be fair, John. I don't, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but off – what I remember from last season, Austin Safarian Jenkins at times was like their most reliable weapon yeah. in the passing game. And he's not there anymore he's either. He's not either, by there the way. anymore. So you know, you take him out of the equation, and you had Robbie Anderson on the roster. Is he going to provide some stability? And Pryor, forget stability. Is Pryor going to stay healthy? You know, that's the thing with him. So I, I would not put the Jets at the top of the list in terms of candidates.
0: Uh, I don't see the Bengals making a huge jump. Very similar talent. Maybe a little bit better on the offensive line. I wouldn't go nuts there. Um, the Browns, I still think, have a long ways to go. I think they'll be better. Though I like the changes they made. I mean, They made yep. upgrades across I agree. the board. Last year, by the way, just, just for arguments purposes, the Browns had the worst offense in the league yep. at 14.5 points per game. And in terms of yardage, uh, they were 24th at 308.9 points per uh, yards per game, so they're a team that I think will improve. Uh, you have Josh Gordon in theory uh, for the whole year. You have Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield. I imagine is probably going to be the starter in Week One. We'll see if that happens or Corey not. Corey Coleman, Corey Coleman back from injury. Um, Carlos you, Hyde. You think they're going to start Chubb. Baker?
1: Week One. I mean, everything they're saying is Tyrod, Tyrod, Tyrod. No, and I know that could change.
0: If I had to bet now, I'd bet on Taylor. But I think Mayfield has a good shot. Yeah, I think they're gonna give him every
1: opportunity. But I, I still feel Tyrod Taylor is gonna be under center yeah, week one. And I then, agree. You know, I could see uh, you Jackson. I think it's convenient to say you know he Jackson did say by the way that Taylor is gonna be the starter week one. He did say that. Yeah, he did before the draft. But. Once again, that doesn't mean much of anything, and that's not why I was bringing that up. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I think Baker's going to be competitive. He's certainly going to have the urge to start. I just think that this is to take the pressure off of him, Yeah. let Tyrod start, and then, listen, if they struggle week six, week seven, then maybe give Baker Mayfield the green light.
0: Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I think the Browns will be better. I just don't think they have the experience at quarterback and the firepower that's been consistently productive to move into the top ten. Um the Steelers, obviously, the Steelers, they're good. I don't see the Ravens being much better than they were last year when they when they really did struggle uh, for much of the season. Uh, I think one team in the AFC South that could be in competition for this is the Colts, yeah and that's if Andrew Luck is back healthy. You have T.Y. Hilton. Um, Quentin Nelson. Obviously, additions to the offensive Brandon line. Smith. Yep. Braden Smith. So I think the Colts, if, again, if Andrew Luck is healthy – could make a similar jump
1: to what the Giants could make this upcoming. Yeah, year. I was going to throw the Colts out as another team. I'm with you there. I, I think the Colts, the Bears, and the Giants are the most interesting teams in the mix who are capable of turning things around. Now that doesn't mean that they're going top to bo- bottom to top, excuse me. But I think a significant jump there is a potential where you see certainly points per game go up because all three of those teams were very very low on the rankings in terms of their 2017 production.
0: Colts were second worst in terms of yards per game, third worst in terms of points per game. Uh, AFC West, I think we're going to throw all those teams out. They're all kind of already pretty good or in the middle of the league. Um, NFC East, Redskins, Eagles, and Cowboys, they're not going to make a huge jump, I don't think. The Cowboys will make a little bit of jump, I think, with uh, Zika Ezekiel there, Zika Elliott there the whole year. Um, the Giants, we talked about a lot, Lance. Um, obviously, Barkley. The offensive line of this with Hernandez and Solder and Omame and throwing a healthy Beckham and Ingram and Shepard also are banged up last year. They'll be healthy, you hope, for the whole year. Um, uh, how high do you think the Giants could go this year in terms of ranked on offense? Because I think people get enamored with the skill position, guys, and I think they forget that while well, the offensive line has improved, it's still not exactly where you want it to be at with questions of right tackle. So... Uh, in your best-case scenario, where do you think the Giants could
1: land offensively Well, they year? were 31st last year in points per game. And, and to me, points per game is much more indicative of your offense than it is total yardage. Remember, though, defensive
0: scores and special team
1: scores can skew that number a lot. They, they can. But, I mean, even last year, I don't think you could say that that was skewing it much. I mean, I think that was pretty much right on point in terms of the offensive production. So, you're right. you got to take that into consideration. But, I mean, how many times, John, do we see teams – rack up yardage, and then they can't do anything in the red zone. Sure. So that's why I'm not one that is going to really look at the yardage so much, even though the Giants did have 314.2 yards per game. So 31st, I would say that it's realistic to think they could get to 14-15 this coming season. I I don't think that's a terrible reach. No, but
0: if everything clicks... I could see them getting as high as 7 or 8 or 9. Yeah, I
1: mean, that that would be, you know, you're talking real consistency, guys staying healthy too. I mean, health and consistency I think would have to be combined to get to 7 and 8. I would want to finish in the top half of the league, though. Yeah, and I think that's doable. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a stretch. I think that's definitely doable.
0: And you agree throughout there the NFC East teams, there's really nobody else that you can really take into consideration?
1: In terms of uh, a huge jump, well, I mean, the Eagles were dynamic last right. year, so and, we don't have to discuss them. And the and Cowboys
0: and the, were 14th, and the Redskins were—where's Washington here? They were 16th, so yeah, those teams I, really I, can't manage too big of a jump.
1: No, I mean, I could see them staying where they are. or I mean, listen, they could get into the top 10. Yeah, sure, uh, but I don't think that's That crazy. isn't a big jump. No, though. but that, right. that's not a, a huge jump. The, the yeah. one other team that I want to get back to real quick, John, you mentioned the AFC West. I think Denver. Belongs in the conversation. Remember, they had a real rough season last year. And now that Case Keenum is in the mix, and, you know, the offensive line, the running game, I, I would not cross out Denver. Remember, Denver last year was sixth worst in the NFL. They only averaged 18.1 points per game. That's a candidate right there if they get better play out of Keenum, which yeah. I think they're capable of. And, well, their offensive
0: line was a problem last year, too. I'm not sure how many improvements they've made there. They drafted Royce Freeman out of Oregon to try to get the running game to where they want it to be. Yeah, I think Broncos were in the mix there. I'd Denver I agree. would
1: be my fourth team on the rankings between the Colts, the Bears, and the Giants. Colts, Bears, Giants, Broncos. Okay. Yeah. Uh, NFC North, um, Minnesota,
0: they already had a pretty good offense last year. I think Cousins will help them, but the jump will not be um, big enough to, I think, put them into this conversation. Green Bay's Aaron Rodgers, we're not going to talk about yes. that. The Bears you mentioned, I agree. I think especially their wide receiver addition, second year of Trubisky will be a big help there. Um, the Lions—they got the same personnel. I wouldn't get too nuts about that. I don't think On Johnson's going to put them over the top, or the new offensive coordinator. Well, they got the same offensive coordinator, Patricia and James. New head coach, but they kept him, yeah. Bob Cooter. Cooter, right. he's still excellent there. point. Yeah. Um, and then of course you have Tennessee South, where all four teams are turning their quarterbacks. They were all pretty good last year. I think the Bucks. Where did the Bucks finish last year in terms of offense? Fifteenth. Ah, you know what? That's
1: not bad. Despite all their issues, remember Tampa Bay. But Tampa Bay had defensive problems too last year, and so.
0: they've made a ton of additions on defense. though. So I really think wow they were in ninth, and in, wow that's actually not bad. They were ninth in yards too. And
1: 15 yeah, they just points. they got into a, a lot of offensive yeah. clinics where just couldn't outscore the opposition because the defense gave up points. Wow.
0: They weren't better offensively than I thought they were. And remember, that that was,
1: and, and, and that's impressive, John. I agree with you because, remember, you had the whole Doug Martin issue. Uh-huh. You didn't have a great deal of stability in the running game. But the O-line questionable. Yeah, so all that, th- that is
0: pretty impressive where they finished. It was better than I thought. Here's another team I'll throw in the mix, and I guess it depends
1: how you want to judge their offense last year. How about the 49ers? Oh, without a doubt. You have to consider them. Yeah. I mean, we're only talking about five games with Jimmy G which is still a very small sample size. Plus, they made changes to the roster. They added offensive linemen, you know, gave him some weapons with Jarek McKinnon out of the backfield. Who they added as a receiver? They added a receiver this offseason. I'm trying to remember who it was. Let's see, no, they did add a, a wide receiver. I know McKinnon to me was the most attractive because I could see Kyle Shanahan using him in a variety of different ways. And they kept so that's the guy And that, they kept Goodwin. Yes, they kept Goodwin. Wide receiver? Uh, did they not what? add a wide no, receiver? No, they, they did not add anybody notable. They added more defensive guys. They added Jonathan Cooper and Weston Richburg on the offensive line. McKinnon, as I mentioned. Richard Sherman at corner. Added a few linebackers. No, they did not add a wide receiver. I think you may be thinking of Goodwin just returning. And Pierre Garceau from last year.
0: Yeah. Oh, they drafted Dante Pettis in the draft. So I guess that's why the receiver on Pettis his cousin. Yeah.
1: Yes, so there you go. But, I mean, listen, Jimmy wasn't working with much in terms of the receiving core last year, John, and he still was able to be productive. So you give him a little help and you give him healthy guys, I, I, I think the Niners can make a lot of noise. Uh, and, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little concerned because you know how we tend to get too excited about a team a year yeah. early? And I was like that somewhat with the Jacksonville Jaguars two years ago, and then it was last year. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm a little reserved in that regard where maybe the Niners, you know, they get to seven and nine this year, and then two years from now, we're talking about their 10-win team. But once again, I I still think the NFC is so wide open where there's so much competition that you're going to have that parity play a role, and it would not surprise me if the Niners are in the wild card conversation. I think they're good enough to certainly be in that, nine and seven conversation and that doesn't mean that that's going to get them a wild card but they could be like the Dallas Cowboys last year you get to nine wins and you just miss out on a wild card I don't yeah. think that's crazy I
0: think it might be a year early for them though I'm with you I think we might be a year ahead uh the Seahawks I'll throw out of the mix because I think they've probably going to be worse this year um then the Rams I mean they were the top offense in the league last yeah. year so they can't <laughs> really uh, can't go get much better than that and the the Arizona Cardinals, who you know what? How bad were they last year offensively? Arizona were they at the bottom of the league? As Palmer was out a lot of the year, and
1: David Johnson also was hurt.
0: Nah, you know what? want the bad. They actually, Arizona was
1: was eighth worst in points per game. Okay, well, only eighteen point four points per game that they average. Now in terms of yardage, I'm looking right now just around where the Giants were three hundred fourteen point one. So they were behind the Giants. It, it, it's not that impressive on paper and it's understandable like you said given the injuries but you know we'll see what happens with Bradford Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens with David Johnson you got two players who I like but two players also with injury histories
0: and they drafted Christian
1: Kirk a wide receiver in the second round yeah and And their defense of course and their defense was really good last year now they did lose some personnel some of the guys came here but I I still like what Wilkes is going to be working with who's their OC now in Arizona that's a good question uh who did Wilkes bring in? I know North Turner went to Carolina, who had some ties to him. I got it. Did Let's they? Keep, uh, my guess is they did oh, not keep Goodwin. Oh, Mike McCoy. Mike McCoy. That's right. Mike McCoy. That's a good Forgot coordinator. Yeah. Former uh, Broncos and uh, was with the Chargers head coach. Yeah. So, yeah, he is a good offensive mind. And we'll see whether or not he's got healthy bodies to work with. I mean, that's what Arizona comes down to. And, you know, they also drafted Josh Rosen. So how much of a leash are they going to give Sam Bradford? If if Bradford plays well, probably going to stick with him. If Bradford gets hurt, then you feel good that you can throw in Rosen and do sort of a baptism by fire scenario. All so, right, you want to do some calls? Absolutely.
0: 201 on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. We'll be sure to get to your tweets over the course of the show. Jason in Denmark will lead off overseas. What's up, Jason? Hey, what's going on, fellas? How are you? How Go you ahead, Jason.
2: I'm going fine, man. Hey, I, I'm doing real fine because I'm at work. And normally when I'm homeless to your show, man, my wife is Danish, so I can hear nothing but Morton Anderson, Morton Anderson. And <laughs> Morton Anderson don't play for the Giants. <laughs> but Morton <Anson>, Anderson, Morton <laughs> Anderson. All I hear. That's funny. <laughs> you know, but um, my, my, my question today is... Uh, so this year, our offense, I've been thinking, which one would you rather? And I, I, and I know in the end, you would rather just win. But which game type of games would you all like seeing? The methodical games where you just grind it out or the high-flying offense?
0: Does it have to be one or the other? I think the beauty of, in my opinion, how the Giants can run this offense is that based on who they're playing – They can do this either way. If a team's really poor against the run, they can pound it a little bit and run the ball a lot. But I really believe, Jason, in my heart of hearts, the way you win NFL games these days in the modern era is by making big plays. Uh, If you don't make big plays and you have to sustain, you know, 8 to 12 play drives down the field to score your points, it's going to be really hard to do it. So uh, I'm looking forward to this Giants offense making more big plays. And I think if the offense does, in fact, make the jump we're talking about, it's going to be because of more big plays in the passing game.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I yeah. mean because, you know, if you're referring Jason to that grinded out type of mentality, all you need to do is go back to 2016. And I constantly bring up 2016, and I don't think it was fool's gold, but you know there were a lot of games that could have easily went the other way. So, you know, that to me wasn't right, an 11-5 right. and five record of dominance. That was an 11-5 and five record of grinding it out, getting the plays that you need to be done at the end of games, whether it be on offense and defense, just to preserve the victory. But, you know, I mean, if you're looking for a significant jump for the Giants offense, you want to go back to... Ben McAdoo's first year as offensive coordinator when they were making the big plays, when they were putting points on the board. That's what I think the Giants need to get back to. I don't think they need to get back to 2016 where, you know, the defense looked really good, but you didn't know necessarily what you're going to get out of the offense each and every week.
2: Right, right. But yeah, for me, I would. I just want to see, uh, you know, a year where we just you like ahead two scores, three scores comfortably, you know. Because so many years we go where it's so close, so close. It's like torture sometimes, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the league, too, sometimes. I would like to have a year where it's like we have a few games, you know, say five games out of the season, where we're just ahead like two, three touchdowns. And, you know, we sit in comfortably and maybe they take Eli out and he give a Gatorade while somebody else goes in. You know, I would love to see a couple of games like that.
0: Yo, Jason, absolutely, and appreciate the call, man. Thanks for calling in from Denmark. One, one appreci- more thing. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Give,
2: one more thing. i got I to gotta give Bodio all your props because yep. I have to give Lance his props because do all season long he was saying, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, and even though he didn't go to us, and I not necessarily wanted him to come to us, but, you know, he went first, so I have to give Lance props for seeing that. And, uh, John, I have to give you props oh. for when you went down and you watched the players and you said, watch Will Hernandez. And we got him, and I was so happy for that. And I'm happy that you uh, told Paul that, and he went and looked at it, and he was a believer too.
0: Thank you, Jason. You got it, Jason. Appreciate the phone call. All right, see you all again tomorrow. I will point out that. Lance would have picked Mayfield first. I'm not sure you predicted that Mayfield would go first.
1: No, I, I just said that he was the best Correct. quarterback mm-hmm. and he should have been the first one taken off the board. Yes, I, I did not necessarily. I mean, remember, I was campaigning that I thought the Browns should have taken Barkley one. Remember, yes. we had those conversations. i yes, did. I'll be the first one to admit it. But I, I was glad to see that Cleveland, if they wanted to go quarterback, that to me, I think they took the best possible option.
0: And he was my second guy. I had Donald then Mayfield. So we were, Paul wasn't on the Mayfield band no, bandwagon pa- with Paul us. Paul was on the Josh Allen bandwagon. So, we'll see how that works out. <laughs>
1: we'll see how that works out.
0: Correct. Yes. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. We have some open lines, folks, by the way. So, you want to get in, feel free. Mark in New York is up next. Hi, Mark.
3: Okay, yeah, how are you guys doing, man? What's doing up, man, Mark?
0: man? What do you got for us?
3: Uh, yeah, I was just, uh, you kind of killed my uh, my main question. It was pretty much, uh, what are the chances of us going from uh, last to first in the division? Because I had seen a couple of other Of our rivals do it, so that would have been like my first thing I wanted to get off. That's fun. What chances are?
0: Uh, Mark, I think you got a shot at it. I mean. The NFC East particularly has been very unpredictable over the course of the last 12 years. How many straight years has it been, Lance, since, since the team repeated as division champions? It's basically since Andy Reid's Eagles, yes, right? since the Eagles won those four straight. Right, so, so it's been a long time. So it's wide open. It could happen. Would I consider it a better than 50% shot? Likely, maybe not that high, but I think the Giants certainly have the personnel, if they stay healthy and play well, to be right in the mix for the division title at the end of the year, and we'll see if they can... Uh, I think the key to me, Mark, is whether or not they can be consistent enough defensively and they can hold up their end of the bargain on that side of the field, I think that'll be a key to whether or not the Giants are a 7- or 8-win team or they're a 9-, 10- or 11-win team.
1: Well, and I'm going to add to that, and we'll let you continue. John, I think you bring up an excellent point because I, I think sometimes we're focusing so much on the offense mm-hmm. and the changes on personnel, but what people have to remember, I mean, the defense has changed too. You know, And I'm not just talking about a new coordinator. You know, Personnel has changed, and, and remember, 2016 – We're talking about one of the best defenses in the NFL. 2017, a significant drop. Now, granted, there were a lot of injuries, but now you got the combination of some new personnel, a new scheme. You can't just, if you're a Giants fan this season, you can't just pencil in the Giants and say, oh, they're going to have a top-five defense. So all you have to expect is the offense to move from 31st to, let's say, 13th, and then everything is business as usual. So, you know, to me, the defense has just as many question marks as the offense, given the fact that there's a lot of changes on that side of the ball. So, you know, that's the other thing that can't be dismissed or overlooked in this conversation.
3: Okay, now, now watch this. I got that. Now, because of that, I got two quick questions. Here's, here's the first one: Is it, uh, is it possible for us to sign veterans at a decent minimum? Because I'm looking at you know, the way we're trying to get the run game going. I'm not saying a Dez Bryant type of person, like Dez is already out there, but like somebody as big as him, not as fast, somebody who can handle a one on one. Like Mohamed Sanu would be like my case scenario is why I didn't want to throw out and, and, and say Dez. But there's also Dominic Rogers cromartie who's still out there. Is it possible that we could actually kick the tires to that kind of scenario? Being that we're trying to be a power running team, it would help that somebody like, you know, that kind of wide receiver type could block. And, you know, it'd just be good to safety be the first guy that makes contact if we all map this out correctly. If there's hat on a hat, that's how I'm. And that's like my kind of case scenario for my question is that, Is that some kind of thing we might want to look at? Because we almost look like we're built to win.
1: Well, they've added veterans to your point. I mean, Leon Hall was added a a few off-seasons ago right before training camp. You know, they added Mike Nugent. I I don't think it's crazy to think that the Giants could add a veteran. In in terms of, though, you're focusing on the wide receiver position, and I believe that they want to still assess what they have with these young guys before they start going in the direction of, yeah, we we need to upgrade. I mean, you even heard Pat Shermer talk about it. You know, during rookie minicamp. Okay, well, you got Odell, you got Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. To me, I consider a part of the receiving game. But you know, what Heck, is Saquon too? Saquon too. Yeah. But but you know, I think they want to get to the point And and Pat Shermer even threw out, You know, what does Travis Rudolph show them, John? What does Roger Lewis show them? Cody Latimer. Cody Latimer. You know, I, I think they want to give those guys chances before they start thinking about, well, Eric Decker's out there and Des Bryant's out there because you might as well see what you have and if you can mm-hmm. develop those younger options who may be on your team for longer than just one year as a rental, I think that's much more valuable than just bringing in a guy for the sake of Especially bringing in a guy. Especially since
0: you don't need that great second wide receiver. Yeah. You have so many other guys that are mismatches and you can't cover one-on-one. Uh, I think to commit, and look, I know you said a, a, like, like a veteran minimum type of deal, which is fine, but I, I would hesitate committing any sort of significant resources to that position.
3: Okay, like that, that's where I was at. Because I was wondering how long was the – I'm going to get off the air right now. I was just wondering how long do you think – should we give them, like, the, as far as Giants hoping, should we give them a year? Because it's an offense and a defense and a special team, new coach. It's uh, Everything's brand new. And, and 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 we went to a 3-4, which I'm kind of just trying to get a – shilling of and this is my uh, final thing I wanted you to educate me on, because this is like a whole new scheme to me, mm-hmm. because we picked up two defensive tackles in the, in the draft. Uh, later in the later rounds in the draft. Yes. I was wondering, are they defensive ends in A three four? Because you know what I mean? Like, it seems like we, it, it seems like we have a solid rotation if that's what the case is. Well, first, I'm playing nose tackle. I know that that I knew for a fact, but now I had to I had to bring this question to you so you could, you, yeah. you could shine some light on me, yeah. and thank you for taking my call, guys. Hey, thanks for calling in it.
0: and being part of the show, Mark. Appreciate it, and it's a good question. Um, I think, for one, people get too wrapped up into what's going to happen on base defense. You're only in the base defense 20% of the time, maybe 25% of the time, 30% of most in the NFL, okay? So don't lose your mind. You're not going to be in that base defense much. And in sub-package, your basic sub-package has four down defensive linemen. Now, he's going to mess around and stand up guys on the edge and stuff, but you still have two defensive tackles on the field. And in that case, a guy like Adrian McIntosh, a guy like B.J. Hill, they'll be either your, you know, one technique or your you know nose or they'll be a three technique. In the base, I think B.J. Hill can play D-end or nose tackle. Uh, to me, he looks more like a... 3-4 defensive end in practice and he does a nose in terms of his movement skills and McIntosh to me is a three technique in sub and he's a defensive end in the 3-4 um, in base defense so that's how I see those guys. I think when they're in the base defense lines, you're going to see Damon Snacks, Harrison as your nose tackle, and then they'll move everybody else around him.
1: Yeah, I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson is another guy that you know you have to consider, too. You're not just going to throw him on the bench, too, with right. respect to the change in the scheme.
0: And I think he would start a defensive end I agree. as well. But I think yeah. when Snacks is not on the field of nose tackle, I think Tomlinson is a better nose
1: tackle option than a B.J. Hill. I think he's a little bit bigger. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I, I would go with Tomlinson as the first guy on the interior, and I agree with you, I I think Hill and McIntosh have potential, just based on also the coaches that we talked to from NC State and Miami, they can be moved to the outside depending on the rotation of the defensive linemen. So I, I wouldn't rule that out, but I think you brought up an excellent point. We get too caught up in four threes versus three fours, and most defensive coaches will tell you in this day and age... You're going to have the nickel defense on the field more often than not. You're going to go with the extra defensive back more so than you're going to worry about having the extra defensive lineman. So I think we're losing a lot of sleep over you know who's going to be lined up here versus there on the line when you're probably going to go with the extra defensive back.
0: Yeah, and I think the questions we don't get enough to that same point are um, A, the nickel corner, who's basically a, more of a starter than your 3-4 defensive ends. Yep. You know, William Gay obviously is a guy that has the job right now, but he has to keep it. And how much is he left in the tank? He's in his, you know, mid-30s. But he's by far the front runner, John. I agree. I don't think anybody's close. But he's still – there aren't many corners in the mid-30s running around the league. That's fair. Starting around, okay? So can he still do it? We'll see. And then who's your nickel linebacker next to Ogletree? You know, all these outside linebackers are going to be pass rushers on third down. So can B.J. Goodson be on the field as a coverage guy? And third downs, he wasn't really asked to do that whole lot last year when he was healthy. So who's going to be that second coverage linebacker in in nickel spots I think is also
1: interesting. Yeah, we saw Goodson a little bit in that role. I remember last year in training camp, John. I remember they had him run out with tight ends, but then he got hurt. So we really didn't see whether or not he could transfer that skill set over to the field. So, you know, he would be a guy that... You know, I think the coaching staff would like to see him stay on the field in mm-hmm. all types of situations. He certainly has the upside, but you know the durability still needs to be proven, and I think the versatility needs to grow too with respect to B.J. Goodson. The other thing I want to throw out related to our conversation before we head back to the phone lines, I was looking up real quickly the comparison of the 2016 offenses to the 2017 offenses, just if you wanted to see who made a significant jump from one year to another, so what's realistic for the Giants. The Rams, believe it or not, John, Worst to first, right? Yeah, I mean, I I didn't realize that they made that significant of a job. That's remarkable. Now, that doesn't mean the Giants are doing that. I'm not bringing that up. But the only reason I bring up the Rams is they did change coaches. They changed an offensive philosophy and 32nd to first. So that's one. The other one I think is interesting of note is Minnesota. Minnesota, because remember, North Turner started off as the O.C. Pat Sherman was the tight ends coach. He then took over as O.C. So there was some changes between 16 and 17. Minnesota in 2016 was 23rd. In and points last year? Last year, Minnesota jumped to 10th. Oh, that's so pretty good. They also made a significant Move up the rankings, even though nothing changed. But obviously, you had Pat Shermer as a common trait with the Giants.
0: Two other points I want to make from prior calls, then we'll continue on the phone lines. Wow, you guys have stacked up the calls. Full banks. Good job. Um, The defense. Last year, Lance, the Giants gave up the fifth most points in football. And I believe they gave up the second most yards in football. They did. So you talk about the offense being bad. The defense was actually worse. If you want to just go by the raw rankings and the numbers and yards, the defense was worse. So, again, the offense is exciting, but it's a it's a two-way slash three-way game with special teams, and the special teams also struggled last year, Big by up. the way. I was going to add so, that, yeah. those other facets have to get better here to help out the explosive offense. People tend to fall in love with the sexy skill, skill position, guys. We've seen it a million times before. Will the offensive line hold up? Will the defense hold up their part of the bargain? And when the special teams help you win games, that helping you lose games.
1: We'll see. Well, all you need to do, John, is look at three straight games before the injuries hit in 2017. Philadelphia, special teams and defensive mishaps at the end of the game lead to the game-winning field goal, right? Then the following week at Tampa Bay, special teams, defensive mishaps lead to the game-winning field goal. Defense had the lead in that game,
0: and also in the Philadelphia game, right? Wasn't the defense on the field with either
1: the lead or a tie game, I think, in both Well, because the Giants, remember, fought their way back and took the lead. Yeah with the shepherd long touchdown mm-hmm. but i'm also referring to the two corners colliding, yeah. leading to the field goal, and yep. then also the bad punt. So you combine that yep. same thing with Philadelphia and Tampa Bay. And then I could even make a case that Los Angeles, the Chargers game, and that was when everybody got hurt. But remember, Melvin Gordon scores the late touchdown. Now people are going to argue Eli Manning was sacked and fumbled, and that made it a short field for the Chargers. Right. So that's how they got to the go ahead True. touchdown. But still, you know, you hold the Chargers to a field goal, John, as opposed to a touchdown. Maybe the conversation changes. So those are three straight games right there. I mean, those are defining moments of last season. I I'm not arguing, and I'm not going to sit here and say the Giants win those three games, they're a playoff team. The point is, what you brought up, we're looking at the offense when the defense and special teams put its stamp on last season's losses too.
0: Absolutely. And to Jason's first point where he said, I want to see some more games where the Giants win comfortably, that's important. I mean, if there's one real consistent factor, in my opinion, that determines what teams make and don't make the playoffs, a lot of the times is point differential. Look at the teams with the best point differentials in the league. They're generally in the playoffs. The ones with bad ones are not. And the way the NFL works year in year out, we saw this with the Giants in 2016 as opposed to 2017. If you play in a lot of close games, you're going to win a lot of them or you're going to lose a lot of them. And a lot of times that's not determined by how good you are. It's determined by timing, some luck. Close games, anything can happen. The key is to win some games by a lot of points. So you finish... With a big point differential, and it doesn't come down to chance plays at the ends of some of these games. Just for an example, last year, plus 162 for New England, plus 149 for Jacksonville, plus 76 for the Chiefs, plus 162 for the Eagles, plus 130 for the Vikings, plus 122 for the Saints, plus 149 for the Rams. These are the best teams in the league, and those are all the best point differentials in the league. It's consistent time and time again. Only one team last year, Lance, made the playoffs that had a negative point differential, and that was the Buffalo Bills. Everyone else was on the positive side. And the Titans. They were minus 22, I'm sorry, in a very uh, poor AFC South. So, point differential is important. And if you're in a lot of close games, you leave a lot to
1: chance and you leave a lot to fate. Jason was absolutely right about that. Well, the Giants only scored 28 touchdowns. I just looked up my charts last season, and... I mean, if you continue to get below 30 touchdowns in this league, you're going to be hard-pressed to win football games. You've got to score more than two touchdowns a game. Yeah. You have to. Uh, So that alone tells a lot. And, and John, here's another speaking of differential. What about turnover differential, too? I mean, that's also been a killer for the Giants. Minus three last year. How many teams with negative turnover differential wind up making the playoffs? So that's another one. To me, point differential and turnover differential go hand in hand. The teams in the pluses are usually the ones that – 99% of the time are getting into the playoffs. Listen, there are the rare occurrences because you make up for it with maybe an unbelievable offense. But I guarantee you, you look at all the teams that made the playoffs last year in turnover differential, you're not finding too many teams that are in the negative. And the Giants were negative three, and that was another factor.
0: Last year, teams that were in the negative that made the playoffs, um, Carolina negative one. Okay, higher than the Giants, though. Atlanta negative two. Also higher than the Giants. Titans, negative 4.
1: Okay, below the Giants. That's one team. Everyone else, was else positive, is positive. Yeah,
0: yeah. Philly, plus majority. 11. Chiefs, plus 15. Uh, Bills, plus 9, which is how they won. Made it, by the way, with that minus point differential. Um, Rams, plus 7. Patriots, plus 7. Saints, plus 7. Vikings, plus 5. So There you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean, those Absolutely. two are huge factors. All right, back to the phones at 201-939-4513. I'll start taking a look at your tweets as well. Max in Newark. Go ahead,
4: Max. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I just want to make um, a point to kind of expound a little bit on what you guys just said about the um, uh, point differences and all that. Sure. If you look at the difference between the Giants in 2016 and 2017, in 2016 they won all the close games one way or another. 2017 they lost those close games. Max, so we would have are... lost to the Giants uh, to Philly with a 61-yard field goal.
0: Max, you're, you're yeah. absolutely right, and just, just, just to note, Last year, the Giants were minus 142 in terms of their point differential, which obviously is is, is pretty brutal. The year before, um, they were only a plus 26 but went 11-5. Usually, if you're just plus 26, you're in and around 500. The Giants won 11 games at only plus 26. And to your point, it's because they won so many of those close games.
1: Well, but the other thing, though, and I agree with your point, the other difference, though, with 2017 is there were also more lopsided games this past season versus 2016. Not only were they winning the close games, but most games more often than not were competitive. Mm -hmm. You felt like you had a chance entering the fourth quarter. Second half of
0: the year last year, you had some blowouts.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the, the Denver game, well, they won, but the Rams game lopsided, the Niners game lopsided. Cowboys, the Cowboys game mm-hmm. lopsided, the Cardinals game lopsided. Yep. I mean, that's a quarter of the season right there that you stood no chance. Yeah, I was more referring to
0: 2016, though, yeah. and that, that 11-5 and record, I think, was better than what their plus-point, 26-point differential might make you think it was.
4: Right, I would agree with that. And uh, this, the question I want to ask was, this coming season, do you think there's more questions um, on the offense or the defense? For example, the question of right tackle, the question of um, – who will be the number uh, three right receiver? Is going If Shepard stays in the slot, who will be the number two um, split out? And Or is the question on the defense with linebackers or secondary depth? And I'll take that question off the air. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Max. Right. And, and to me, the biggest questions right now are on defense. Um, and I know right tackle might be the biggest individual question mark in terms of who's going to start there. And I, I see that point and I understand it. But when I think about this defense – What's the most important thing, Lance, for a defense to be consistently good? You have to be able to generate pass pressure. Aside from Olivier Vernon, again, who's only had double-digit sacks once in his career, and I think it was three years ago now with, with, with Dolphins when he did it, maybe even four, where are the Giants getting consistent pass pressure? How are they getting it? Is it by scheme? Is it by blitzing? How are they getting it? Um, throw in the fact, and he Max mentioned this at the end of his call, secondary depth. If you have a Janoris Jenkins injury, what the heck's going to happen in the secondary? Who's your third, fourth? Who's your third, fourth, fifth? Well, that's quarters? why they brought in so many different guys. Right, and is Eli Apple going to rebound from a year last year? How is Jenkins going to go back from his injury last year? All these things are really important questions. So, uh, to me, I feel a lot better right now about the offense than I do the defense, and that's just me. Yeah,
1: I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, and that's why earlier in the show when we were focusing so much on the offense, I said, w- you can't pencil anything in for the defense right now because mm-hmm. th- there's a lot of question marks. Uh, Vernon, by the way, 2013. Five last years season, ago, wow. When he had double-digit sacks, and his only season in his career when he had 11 and a half. So he's had eight and a half and 16 for the Giants. He had seven last year. You know, now JPP's not there. We'll see what guys like Josh Morrow and Kareem Martin can do. Um, over from Arizona, but yeah, how they get to the quarterback, which was a major issue last year, even with Vernon on the field, you know that to me is somewhat of a concern. And, and they lost JPP. Yeah, I mean it goes. Led the team saying. in Sachs last Correct. year, so you remove him from the equation. Listen, whether or not he was dealing with injuries, or whether or not you know you were felt strongly about him on the field. The bottom line is he still was the leader in that category, and now Correct. you're removing him from the equation. So somebody has to make up for the bare minimum before you start seeing the improvement. Then yeah, the secondary, I mean, we talked about this, and we didn't just talk about it last year, John. We've talked about it for multiple oh, sure. seasons. And remember, the Packers' playoff game, DRC goes down, and Aaron Rodgers says, thank you very much. And I'm just going to attack the replacement. So every year we've been talking about the fourth cornerback position. It's not just the third cornerback position. I mean, everybody is saying to themselves, well, is William Gay going to win the slot? That's fine. But you then need – who's the guy behind William Gay? Yep. Who's going to be the guy that replaces Jenkins, to your point, replaces Eli Apple, replaces Gay if he goes down? That, to me, right now, is – the looming question mark. As far as the wide receiver position, as I mentioned earlier, I think there's options. There's guys that have been on this team. And Cody Latimer is somebody to watch The reason being, John, he just has not had the opportunity. Now, I'm not saying everybody should get overly excited that he's going to come in and all of a sudden he's going to catch 50 passes, but just go and look at how many snaps he's played for the Denver Broncos. Mm -hmm. The max was 33% of the offensive snaps. I mean, he started off, he had 5%, John. Then he went to 17%, you know, and then maxed out at 33%. That's nothing in today's NFL. If he now is on the field more... You figure, hey, maybe the production will go up. And all you have to do is, and and I think his comparison to Dwayne Harris is valid, John. Remember remember the year that Dwayne Harris was utilized as a wide receiver? Mm -hmm. Harris was actually producing as a wide receiver. Remember he had, what, the two touchdowns Mm -hmm. against the Saints, if I remember, in that offensive clinic? He made plays. There's no reason to think that Cody Latimer can't be that option. But he's got to get the reps. He's got to be out there for the snaps. If he's not out there, it's hard to judge what he can do.
0: I looked at it the other day. I don't have it offhand.
1: I think he had six career starts in Denver or maybe four. He may even. Have. I, I was, but I think the snaps are more indicative, John, because oh, even if you start, absolutely. that doesn't mean you're going to be on the field for the majority of the game. I, no and, I, and I'll look question it up again. It. We, we looked back at it. I think it was a show that Paul and I did. I brought up the offensive snaps, and I believe 33% was his max in one individual season during the course of his career with Denver, which is, I mean, that's nothing. So. It, it, it's hard to say what he could potentially do, but that's another reason why you can't judge a player based on his previous statistics because you have to see what the sample size was. Snaps. Here we go.
0: Uh, this is from Pro Football Focus. Um, he had 190 snaps in 2017. I do not have the other ones in front of me right now. I'll look up
1: what the uh, percentage was, and then we'll be able to determine you know, where he stood with respect to that. Here we go. He not many. Needless no, to say, no, he he did not have Cody Latimer on offense. Okay, thirty-three percent in two thousand seventeen, which I believe was his max. Oh, now I'll go absolutely back. Absolutely, that I'll was his I'll go back e- every every year uh-huh. right here. Okay, two thousand sixteen. Let's see, where was he? Two thousand sixteen. Okay, twenty percent. It, it's going to go down every year. I believe two thousand fifteen was in the teens, and then two thousand fourteen was the single digits. 17 percent. Okay. And then is that just offensive snaps, or is that including special teams? I'm just looking at the offensive snaps. Okay, yeah, I it, it um, has different categories: offense, defense, I'm just, special teams. Just asking. Yeah, for clarification, because you're right. His special team snaps would bring his numbers up. But yep. that was just mm-hmm. offense. And then 2014, Cody Latimer, three percent. So there you, there you go. I mean, it went up every year, but three to thirty-three percent. That's nothing for a third wide receiver. Jeff in Huntington is up next. What's up, Jeff?
5: Yeah, hi guys. Uh you know, the one constant thing, uh, theme that I look at as far as the last uh, four or five years with, you know, three different coaching and general managers and, and whatnot has been the CBA in the way it affects preseason, preseason games. And, um, I'm, I, I, if there's one constant visual that I have over the last four years or so, it's that when a play doesn't work, Eli is throwing the ball into the ground to stop it, to make sure. And, and that was happening a lot, it seemed, during preseason games. For the most part, when he was in the game. Or, uh, And, and my, my concern is this, that with a now another new scheme being introduced, And the limitations that the Giants, as well as every other team probably has, but the fact that there's a new scheme now. For four games, they have to evaluate new talent. They have to put in, uh, 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 you know, uh, Eli uh, at the right time, the right moment, at the beginning of a preseason game. I'm not sure how many games he would be playing, how much time it's going to take to sort of – Really feel comfortable with it. And then to get to the first game of the season, it always reminded me in years past that the Giants' first regular season game was like the fifth preseason game because they always looked flat at the beginning uh, of the season. Okay. And I What's always your point? figured it was because of the way preseason games were managed. So it's it's a perception. I don't have any numbers to back me up. It's But I, I, I've always noticed that the Giants always appeared flat first game of Jeff, the season.
0: Here's the thing. I think it looks like that way for all NFL teams. And I think it takes every team in the league two or three games to get going at the start of these years because of the structure of training camp, um, the, the preseason games like you mentioned, and your offseason program and, and the rules of the CBA. So I think across the league, the first— two, three, four games of the year uh, is not as good football wise as it is in October, November,
1: December. Right. Well, And most teams, keep in mind, Jeff, are also not playing their starters a whole lot during not. the course of the preseason. So, I mean, I agree with you. I, I don't think the preseason has been, you know, an offensive clinic over the last few years. I don't know if the Giants statistically are any different, though, than most teams. I mean, maybe you could argue some other teams' backups have been lighting it up because of lesser competition on the field. But, I mean, I'm just going back to the year Hakeem Nicks was injured, John. I mean, what, he showed up for the final preseason game. He barely played. You know, Odell Beckham got hurt last preseason. Preseason. And he's
0: coming back from an ankle injury this year.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, sometimes you just you don't have your full arsenal of weapons on the field. So, you know, when you say Eli Mann is throwing the ball away into the dirt, it's because you're putting him out there with the fourth or the fifth guy. Or, I mean, last year, you were putting him out there with guys that were making the practice squad. Yeah. So, he, I, I mean, he, I think that's indicative. Uh, and the O'Leary was banged totally, up last preseason, I'm totally preseason in too.
5: agreement with that. And yeah. he, and it was a good thing that he did do that because uh, Eli is a smart guy. But the thing about it is is that there's this perception now that we're going to be this high-wheeling offense. And the first game of the season, if there's any indication, like from previous games of previous seasons, if if the Giants look really flat, there's going to be a lot of talk about that.
0: Well, Jeff, and, and, and here's the bigger problem. Look at their opponent. They're going to play what was might have been the best defense in football last year in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Right. So that that's going to make any problem look even worse because of the opponent you're taking on. And look, the Jaguars have one of the best pass rushers in the league. We know Saxonville, right? The whole thing from last year. Yep. Um they have what, who might be the best cover corner in the league to cover Odo Beckham Jr. So that's and Patrick Ramsey. So that's going to Ramsey, uh, Ramsey yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Um so that's going to be a, a a really really Big time challenge, and I, I Jeff, and, and and thanks for the call. I don't think there's yep. really anything that you can do preparatory wise in the preseason to to get guys ready. I mean, look, guys are playing what fifty percent of the snaps in game three, and that's the max number of snaps they'll play in preseason. They'll play a half in preseason game three. You play into the third quarter. So you have to go from forty snaps to eighty, yeah, just like that. So. It, I think it takes guys a little while to work up to that. I I I think it's going to be a work in progress, but it's like that for all teams. These offenses never
1: come out hitting the floor running in week one because like you said it's limited playing time and that was the first thing that I pointed out to the last caller's point now his point about perception is that the Giants are going to light things up this season listen John and I are not having this conversation to sell you on the fact that the Giants are going from 31st to top five that's not what we're spelling out here we're just spelling out that there's potential on paper to see improvement but as I said I think if they get to that 15-16 barometer that is realistic but you know I, I don't I'm not I do not want to crown a team just because of what I see on paper. And, and I'm like that pretty much with all sports because when was the last time you saw the team that sparkled on paper, John, and all of a sudden everything translated to the field? Very rarely does that yes. always occur. I will say this, though. If the Giants are not—what
0: number should I put out there? If they're not a top 14 offense, I'll be disappointed. Well, and, and I use top 15 because I want the top half of the league. You you know, know, I look at the first 16 teams. I, well, I want to be a little bit better than average. So I, that's okay. why and, and, and that's why I put 14. I I was going to go 12, but I think maybe that's asking a little bit too much. So I, I'm going to say I want them at least, uh, in order for me to be satisfied, at least top 14 for me to be happy, I would want them to be
1: a top 12 offense and, and be in the top third of the league. So if they get to, let's say, 12, then where does the defense need to be to balance things out? Because remember, the defensive rankings were just as low as the offense last year. If so, you want to make the playoffs? Yeah. To be a playoff team, if your offense finishes around twelve, I think your
0: defense would have to probably be between fifteen and twenty. I would agree. I
1: think twenty is the lowest point you're going to go. I think you're pushing. Your I think you're pushing ranking. your luck at twenty. I, I've seen it done where teams could be in that twenty barometer, make the players It's rare, but you you can't go lower than that. You've you've got to be within that. Vicinity. If you're going to be between twenty and twenty-five, you have to be a top seven oh, yeah. or eight I offense. Mean, you have you to gotta be. be pretty much like a top three offense. You gotta be able to light up the scoreboard no without any hesitation. And that's why I think and the when Max uh, had a
0: great question, the Cole that's why I think there are more questions on defense. Yeah. Like if I had to guess right now, I think the Giants will probably be in that twenty ish range on defense, based on what I saw last year. Uh their additions and their subtractions. Now James Betcher in a scheme might make a big, big difference. Maybe Alec Oluchew have a, a really huge impact. We'll see. Um of course health has a big role in all this too. But that's why I think there are more questions um on the defense. All right, I got three calls, I got four minutes, to wanna to get everybody in. Let's go to Coach Mike in Virginia. Coach Mike.
6: Uh, John and Lance, I wanna I wanted to talk about the the last couple of days, people have been calling in and, and they seem to think that the Giants are gonna go eleven and five. I, I personally think the NFC is so strong. I agree that the the bottom has come up so much that nine and seven may make the playoffs this year. You know, uh, I, I I I wonder whether they don't all beat beat each other up. Is uh, you know, I've I've seen it on, on the high school level that I coached at, and I think that, like I said, the bottom has gotten so much better.
0: It's I agree. Young. Look, I'm with you. I think the NFC is a much stronger conference than the AFC right now. I don't think there's a lot of weak links in the conference. I agree. Does that mean they're going to beat each other up or does that mean that these teams are so talented that they're going to knock around the AFC and, you know, interconference play and that's going to boost up their records? It's a good question. I I think you need a minimum of 10 wins to be in the playoffs in the NFC this year well, in my
1: opinion. Last year Coach Mike, you look at Atlanta got in with that final spot. They had 10 wins. But Carolina was the other wild card. Carolina won 11 games. And that was not a tiebreaker at 10, by the way. they had No no other team had 10 besides Atlanta. Correct. Then the next best was Seattle and Dallas, which were battling, and they both had nine wins and, and Detroit. just missed out on the postseason. Detroit is another team, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you look at the teams that made the playoffs last year. Philadelphia, I think, is just as strong. Minnesota, I think, is just as strong. If not stronger. New Orleans, Carolina, Atlanta, I think, all have their strengths. And the Rams are are great. So, I mean, every team, Coach Mike, that made the playoffs last year, I think is more than capable of being in the conversation of their record from 2017. And then you take into consideration Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Yeah, I mean, the Packers only won seven games last year. So, you know, you have to take that into consideration. Dallas without Zeke won nine. So I agree with you. The The bottom, the middle tier is competitive, but I would also argue that the teams at the top, I don't think have come down enough to say that everybody's meeting in the middle.
0: Yeah. Coach Mike, you could be right, and, I, and your theory is sound. We get it. But in my opinion, I think you might have two teams— with 10 wins next year, and one of the two teams at 10 won't end up getting in because of the tiebreaker. Yeah,
1: what was that year the Giants won 10 games and then missed out with Tampa Bay? 12, correct? It could mistaken. very well be one of those years. That I, I could see happening. I could see a 9-win team from last year go to 10. we got to have the tiebreaker scenario, and then a 10-win team misses out of the playoffs because that's how strong I believe the
7: NFC is.
6: I can see that. Uh, my, other, my other thing was the last couple of days, again, People have been calling in, and they want Eric Flowers gone. Uh,
0: that, and I mean to me, There's one person.
6: Our, our, our team... <laughs> I know the person you're talking about.
1: <laughs> we, uh, we all do, oh, yeah. I had a brain but fart think about it,
6: What they're failing <laughs> to think about is, how much better is Eric Flowers at right tackle than Bobby Hart was? Yeah. The rest of the line has either improved or is as good as it was. And, and whether it's Wheeler or Flowers or somebody they pick up, I think they're going to be that much stronger. You know, I, don't, I really don't think that, uh, you know, you, you would uh, not say that the line is considerably better because I think in some ways Flowers was the best of the worst last year. And, you know, I, I don't think he's going to hurt them that much.
0: I think I, he I, is I, an upgrade over Bobby Hart. I believe that is a accurate statement.
6: And uh, I, I go back to uh, one of the things Dane Brugler said in your shows. I think it was for the draft. You know, you need some guys that are just average to good. They don't have to be great. On the, no team has five studs on the offensive
7: line. Yep. But it's they just can't the kill way you. It is in
0: yeah. the NFL. Yeah. Appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. You can't have guys that are going to kill you. And that's what you need. And if Flowers can just be okay at right tackle and he's not
1: going to kill you, that's a win. Well, and if you don't even know who the starting right tackle right now is on the team, why would you even campaign for Eric Flowers regardless of what you feel about Eric Flowers? Because you have an emotional reaction to something and you throw all logic out the window. I mean, you're talking about a player, John, that's on a rookie contract. Right. They're at a 90 man roster. Yep. I don't see anyone that could realistically make a strong argument to tell me why you would part ways with a player like that now, well, knowing use, that Chad Wheeler, who also has starting experience, is really his main competition at that see, spot. but
0: you use words like realistically and strong argument. Those those things yeah. don't apply. You're right. Too strong of a word.
7: Let's go to Mike in Long
0: Island. He's up next. Hey, Mike.
7: Hey, how's it going, guys? What's up, Mike? All right, Mike. Oh, uh, I, just, I, just, I just wanted to talk about how it can be easier for the Giants defense this year. I just think it comes down to execution and what the offense can do. I mean, you got... In my eyes, you have got three tiers that they could look at. Now you got obviously you've got Saquon in the backfield, Evan Ingram, Odell and Shepard. Right, get creative, spread the ball around. Pretty, pretty, honestly, I like to compare them a lot to like what Tom Brady can do, and just make it easier on Eli. If you make it easier on Eli, this team can, uh, can you know progress really well. Give the defense a little bit more of a break than going three and out consistently. Yeah. Um, I agree, Mike, I but Alec eventually Google?
0: the defense is going to have to get on the field and make a stop and make stops to end the games. And, and we oh, saw yeah, this a couple no, years ago yeah. with Dallas. where like, oh, they're hiding their defensive problems. They're 13-3. Yeah. and three. Oh, they're going to be great. What happens when they face Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the playoffs? They couldn't stop the Packers when they needed to, and eventually you're going to lose football games because of that. So the defense at some I, point, and I agree with your point, it makes a lot of sense, and I think it will help. But the defense at some point is going to have to hold their own water.
1: Yeah, I agree with both of you. I I mean, the one thing I'll add, Mike, is you you bring up an important point. The way for a defense to improve, just statistically, is if your Mm -hmm. offense is converting better on third down, which they weren't last year and you're running the football, yes, T.O.P. is a big indication of maybe how consistent your defense can be as opposed to doing this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde routine. So, you know, if that improves on offense, you're converting on third down, you're running the football, yeah, I think your defense is bound to be more consistent. But that doesn't mean that they're all of a sudden going to be a lockdown unit for all 16 games.
7: And I really like the addition of Alec Ogletree because now you actually have a a captain from a team that had success from last year in the middle of this defense now with Landon Kong up top. And I really think that there will be improvement from Jenkins and Apple. I think their heads are a little bit more on straight. And I just think they, just like especially more with Apple, I think he has the skill set to be good. It's just his, mentally his head, I just don't think it's there all the time. And I've played, so like I know when you're a defensive back, I think he he's there with the guys like, but he's got to turn his head around yep. and make a play. When when a receiver flashes his hands, the ball's there. Look at the flash of the hands. I've I've learned that from my whole life since I was five years old for college. I, yep. I played for a long time. I I know that's like that's what he needs to do. He's, he's a fast kid. He's aggressive. He's got you know. He just he just got to be mentally there. And I think that's the coaching aspect of it. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the schedule is really hard. I mean, if they don't get the execution done, you, you're seeing the defenses of Jacksonville, Houston, the Saints, who have been a little bit better, right? Oh yeah, and then yeah. The Eagles, Saints have come away four shut defenses. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. In six in the first six games. Huh? No, it's I, tough. I mean, they, they have to execute, and um, I'm you know I'm just I expect big things. I think it's going to be a very exciting home opener. I'm going to see two of the best running backs. You know, obviously not giving Barkley all the credit just yet, but you know it's it's going to be a great matchup. So hopefully um, the execution is there, and uh, it would just it would lead, you know it can lead them to good things. And I think the the offense has has the weapons and the skill set to uh, to get to um, you know the offensive level that you uh, that you guys are talking about in terms of like where they're going to rank. Um, to, be, to be honest with you, I, I think that they could be as good as the Rams' offense is. Honestly. I really do. Well, Mike,
0: the, really, the Rams had one really of the best historic offenses in, in, in football last year. And, and, and thanks for the call. We're past one o'clock. we got to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a yep. very, 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 very nice go of it. I'll believe it when I see
1: it. Yeah, and the Rams offensive line clicked with the arrival of Andrew Whitworth. So, yep. you know, if a guy like Nate Solder could do that for the Giants. Hey, look, it's not impossible. No, it's not impossible, but there were, there were a lot of things that fell into place for the Rams sure. last year, and you know, I think Sean McVay deserves a lot of credit, his creativity, his play calling, and also you know, the emergence of some guys who on previous teams didn't do much of anything. I mean, Robert Woods, for example, John, was a top wide receiver last season. Guy made plays every single season. I mean, every single game, rather. And it's Even Sammy Watkins was healthy and a little bit more productive than he was in Buffalo.
0: James, i got to rush you a little bit. You're a final call. We're already five minutes over. Go ahead, James. What's on your mind?
4: Oh, no, yeah. I just wanted to just touch base real quick. I love all the calls today. I love your show. Thank you. Um, today you hit a lot of good points. I just want to emphasize special teams. Um, I hope that even though we got two different regimes, two different players, and we're going to do some house cleaning, I hope that on the technique side that we address those um issues because obviously there were several games that we lost, um, basically between 10 points and less, and I think if we can correct that, uh, field position, things like that, maybe some of those games that we lost last year, we could probably maybe have a good chance to win this year, and uh, maybe that'll be that differential that we need. I don't know if we can say a playoff team, but at least competitive enough that we can at least, you know, maybe say 500 or something in this uh, difficult schedule that we have.
0: Great. Thank you, James. Appreciate
4: the call, Thank you for your time.
0: Yep, thanks for the phone call. Excellent. Look, you got to execute. I know that's the cliche of cliches, but <laughs> you do. And the schedule is really tough. There are no soft landing spots on the schedule, folks. Not a one.
1: Even the Bears, I think, will be better this year. So Well, we were talking about that team earlier, mm-hmm. about them having the potential just like the Giants to turn things and around the Colts. offensively. the another team yeah. on the schedule. So. All right, folks, good job tomorrow. It's Lance and
0: Dettino, and then we'll see you back here on Monday. OTAs begin. We'll be the access and the show as well. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmuck. We'll see you next time on Giants.com. Everybody have a wonderful day. Have a good one.